headphones aren't even on yet. I to require the, the bottle opening. The bottle opening yeah. to start the podcast. The bottle opening by the Hot Wheels car bottle opener. Mm-hmm. Wish I had hand to me. <clears throat> Pass it over to you. <clears throat> Good to see my voice is recovering. Yeah, still, four weeks later. Yeah. I think we've got to check you into the hospital. Well, I got sick again. So. That... Spent too much time on the beach in the Bahamas last week? Yeah. Or too much drinking in the Bahamas? Or too uh, much bad food in the Bahamas? Probably. Or too many shitty people in the Bahamas? Yeah. Or a combination of all of the above? Yeah. But uh, anyway, I did watch on the flight home, because it's JetBlue, I got to watch the Daytona 500. Excellent. Which was interesting. You probably flew over it while it was happening. Probably. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> the um, and we have and 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 quick disclosure, we were NASCAR fans in the nineties, like the early nineties, and it kind of fell out. Late nineties. Yeah, yeah, mid to late nineties. I have a bunch of nineteen ninety eight stuff, like fiftieth anniversary stuff. Was that ninety eight? Really? Yeah. I guess that's I guess that's the end. Yeah, totally so was. maybe late nineties. So up up through like high school years, like, I kind of followed and watched NASCAR, um, and it kind of fell out of favor with us. Uh, there were a lot of rule changes, a lot of driver changes. I think it was like with the Car of Tomorrow stuff. Now, that wasn't even until like a couple of years ago. I think what it was is we just got was more it? involved in the rally stuff. Yeah, probably. and we're like, oh, this is way cooler than NASCAR. So forget NASCAR. But the past couple of years, I've started watching a few races again. Um, here and there, nothing like serious fan wise, but I'm gonna try to watch a few more this year. I think because there was some actually some pretty entertaining racing at Daytona. The road courses have been good. I always watch road course racing because that's exciting to me. The one, the Xfinity series, which is used to be the Bush series, so the it's like the second tier. Yeah, uh, that was the uh, the one at Mid Ohio during the rain. Oh, that was a crash fest. That was awesome. Yeah, it, was, it, was, not, it wasn't awesome because it was a crash fest. It was just more awesome because it was like they but had the, no idea what they were doing. But they weren't like crashing a lot. As you no, weren't like little spins. Here you weren't there. watching it. Yeah, you weren't watching it because they were crashing. You're watching it because they were like it was like drift fest. Yeah, they'd get going really good. Then the rain would hit and everybody get like way sideways. And the winner, the yeah. leader, would just spin off and like somebody else would take the lead. Yeah, fourth place eventually, went <clears throat> first place, and yeah. he'd spin off, and then yeah. By the time they cycled through, I think everybody was in the front of that race. Yeah, that was last year, right? Yeah, it was last summer, yeah. yeah. yeah that was but anyway, one. so we, I watched the Daytona 500 as well. Yeah. I watched probably the last two-thirds of it. See, it's funny. The plane actually landed because the coverage started, like, when my flight took off, and then the race didn't yep. start to like, halfway through my flight. And oh, really? As we landed, the first stage Which is ended. weird. I was talking, actually, to my father about that because he was complaining about the stages and I was talking to how, how I think it's not a bad thing. I thought they were going to pull the cars off the track, but they don't. They, no, they just, just keep running. They just roll them to. They yeah, just slow they roll, them down and group them back for, together. Yeah. Now, it's not completely unheard of for a NASCAR style race to do that because you look at some of the other NASCAR style, and it's not NASCAR style car, but the same, I guess, fan base. Like sprint cars have mm-hmm. always run heats. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the Saturday night stock car racing runs heats. So a lot of these guys, the stuff they started with, ran with heats. They ran this, you know, um, A heat, B heat, A main, B main, and then a final huge main race at the end of the night. So it's not unheard of for a NASCAR-style event to run separate heats or stages or whatever. 
Uh, and it's going to be a different way they're going to figure out points. I, I don't see any other reason for it other than to bunch the cars back up to get the racing exciting again. Yeah, but the incentive is that you get more points if you're leading at the end of it. Yeah, if you lead a stage, you get more points than if you just lead a lap. Basically, just want the guys racing all the time. All the time, yeah. and not just the last 25 laps. Well, I think NASCAR has been marred by a few things the past few years as far as fan base goes. Yeah. Um, there's been some people have kind of gone away from it, and I think they're just trying new things to bring fans back. And like I said, I haven't watched for a long time, and I watched because even uh, like actual endurance racing, the, the Rolex Twenty Four was exciting for the entire race because they've right. done such a good job at trying to get cars to be close. Correct. And, and NASCAR is all about the cars being evenly matched because yeah. all the cars fit the same template. Yeah. Even though they're Ford, Chevys, and Toyotas, they really yeah they make a big deal about manufacturers. You're like, uh, yeah, is they're it really, really? <laughs> yeah, they're really not. They have slightly different designs in the front bumper. Maybe. Aren't they all small block Chevys? <laughs> yeah, I think so. This this is standard motor right across the board. But re- re- actually, the cars look a little different this year. They have a little more curve to them. Yeah, they're not just a slab side. They yeah. have some. It's like fenders. Of, yeah, you can kind of see the fender and the quarter panel. And, and then I like that now that um, Jeff Gordon has retired. Because Daryl Waltrip's been commentating for a while, at least on the Fox yep. broadcast. And Michael Waltrip's been in and out of the commentating booth, yeah. too. Which, but, he raced again. Yeah, year. I think this year is going to be his last year, though. It sounds like he's retiring. Or at least this was his last 500. Yeah, he's been retired and not retired. Yeah. But anyway, I think that has made it better, at least having retired drivers. Rather than just a commentator. Yeah. Because it has a little more insight into what's going on. Yeah. But like you said, DW has been doing it forever. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the the boogity 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 thing started back yeah. in the nineties when he started doing it there. So, and there's always been guests have always come in. And, oh, I got a real fast hot rod today. Yeah, well, he's definitely a good old boy. There's no question. Yeah. The but, best, the best is the video of him at Bathurst. Oh, he's riding. And they put him in the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He can't really handle it. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. Um, Bathurst obviously is the uh, famous track in Australia with yeah. a lot of elevation change and a lot of tight tight corners and not like tight like a tight turn but tight like walls on both sides of the turns yeah they put him in an australian touring car yeah it was a supercar super v8 that's what it was it was cool supercar he's like they shouldn't be going so fast no but anyway going back to the race it was an interesting race there was a lot of crashing which isn't good um a lot of some people that watch four crashes i'd rather watch close racing super speedway that's always always going to be that and the uh, restrictor plates i guess um but once they stopped crashing, the last 30 laps of the race were pretty damn good. And you didn't know who was going to win until the last lap. And then it's interesting. They have the new rules with the the body damage rules. Go behind the wall. You're done for the day. Yeah. I kind of like that. That's yeah. kind of the way I think it should be. Rather than have a back marker out there who's 45 laps down or 100 laps down and just kind of tying up traffic. Yeah. I think that's good. And actually what I was surprised about, and we kind of talked about it during the race, we were kind of talking back and forth over the Google chat, was the car that was in second place for the last four or five laps. Truex, I think. Yeah, Mar- May Martin Truex. Yeah. The whole nose of the car was ripped off the car. Well, the, at least the right front fender. Yet, like... yet the way the slipstream was working, he was still able to keep up with traffic. Yeah, he was in second. Right. But as soon as he lost that the draft, yeah, he's done. he fell out. He's all behind <laughs> 10 spots. <laughs> yeah, because he just did not have any aerodynamic advantage. It was, it was it was cool to me to see that the way the arrow runs over the top of the cars, it didn't affect that the right front corner of the car was ripped off the car. That yeah. was kind of interesting. But congratulations, obviously, to Kurt Busch for winning the race. I don't know if you can say that. Not that he ever would hear that, but hey, congratulations anyway. Um, 
it was a very interesting finish. And the only reason he finished first is because who was in front of him that ran out of gas? I'm terrible at NASCAR names because there's 43 of them on the track at a time. I forget now. Yeah. I wasn't sure if they ran out of gas or they got out of the slipstream. Or... No, I think he ran out of gas. They yeah. were talking about gas and then he just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Maybe he didn't. Maybe we're wrong. Life goes on. But it was uh, it was, it was was a very interesting race to watch. It was a very good finish. Um, and it got me excited for NASCAR again this year. Mm-hmm. So give it a chance. Maybe give it a watch. Or don't. I enjoyed it. So, uh, any project car updates for you? or? Well, I mean, we had a wonderful, wonderful week this week working on that Honda Accord. Yes. Um, that is a quirky car. To say the least. It is not... It is a far departure from the, uh, I guess, B-Series engine cars. Or any Honda made in like the late 80s till now. Yeah, because they're all pretty much the they were all the same up to like two thousand. Yeah, they all fit a common theme, and they could all interchange parts, and you could do anything on the car. You could do in an hour. Yeah, like if if you're a good Honda mechanic, you could probably have the motor in another car in an hour. Yeah, actually, I had a guy when I was younger when I had my Civic Si when I worked at a dealership. The guy came from a Honda dealership, and I needed a clutch. He's like, oh, "I'll do it." I gave him yeah. like twenty bucks, and he did it in like an hour. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, he was like, "Whatever, you're cool." So I just did it. You don't have to pay me that much. I was like, "All right, cool, awesome." It's not a thousand dollar job at the Honda dealer now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I don't know how much of our audience has ever worked on a first generation Accord uh, with the big CBCC motor, the one point eight versus the one point four. I don't know how different that motor is. Um, but the belts wrap around the motor mount, not the timing belt, the drive belts. Drive belts. The packaging is very tight in that car. Wrap around the motor mount. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then, not only do the belts run around the motor mount, but everything is so close. Like, the car wasn't designed originally for America. So, they had to add power steering and air conditioning for the American market, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Because in order to get the power steering belt on the car, you have to push the power steering pump all the way forward. And it interferes with the water pump pulley. And you can't do it while the belt's on the water pump pulley because there's not enough room. And then in order to get the belt on the power steering pulley, we actually had to jack the motor up and crank it over with like a a, a big... It was a three-foot pry bar. A big three-foot pry bar to get enough space between the pulley and the frame and, rail to get the belt to slip past space. the bolt on the pulley. Yeah, enough space is like a few millimeters. But millimeters. The the belt is only <clears throat> a quarter of an inch wide, and there wasn't enough room to fit it. Oh, through. it was all V belts. Yeah, so that was an interesting process. Uh, a, a job that I would think would take an hour on a bad day wound up taking about six hours total. And again, it wasn't all working on it. A lot of that was trying to figure out what the hell to do to make it work. And I, it would take less time now, but it still wouldn't be a half hour hour job like a set of belts should. Be. I mean, a set of belts should never be an hour. It should be no. 10 to 30 minutes to do drive belts, especially V-belts. We're not talking about a serpentine belt that has complicated routing or anything. We're talking about three separate belts that are all less than a foot. <laughs> oh, and then the – it's almost like the alternator was optional because it's – Backwards. Mo- it's mounted backwards yeah. facing away from the cam. Yeah, it's weird. Like you could have just had – it could have been like a cam-driven – alternator but it's not that's so strange like the bracket hangs it off towards the fender it's really weird and that bracket of course is part of bolts to the motor mount as well yeah and then bolts 
on two sides to the head. Right. And the block. So when you reposition the bracket, because it has to bolt two bolts into the motor mount and two bolts into the block, you have to, it took two of us because one person had to be below the car, jacking up and lowering the motor until we got all of the holes to line up between the holes in the block and the holes on the motor mount. Yeah, it's basically like uh, it was this like five pound brace chunk of iron. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's part of just I don't know if it makes the engine a stressed member or something. Somehow it's very weird. I don't, I don't know why it's set up the way it's set up, but it, it's a very hateful car, and everything I tried to do to it turned into a nightmare. Even the oil filter. The change was... Yeah, well, again, that was caused by the air conditioning, which might not have been there by design originally. No, it was running on top of the oil filter. The hard lines, and there were... Hard lines went into rubber lines, but they went right over the top of the oil filter, and you had just enough room to sneak it past, but not enough room to put a filter wrench on it. No. So, wonderful, wonderful car. Uh, It is a good car. Everything else seems fine. Like, I was looking at, like, the gas tank and the brakes, and everything else is normal. It's like a... They were really copying European cars... They were like, what cars suck to work on? Oh, European cars. Let's give those to the Americans. But they, it's well-built? It's a very well-built car. I mean, yeah. the car is in 1979, and it's everything's nice and tight and solid. and yeah. The car doesn't rattle, and it's a great car. It's just don't ever volunteer to do drive belts on a first-generation nope. Accord without knowing what you're getting into. Mm-mm. And that's kind of what I did. Cause I, I, it's a car that I sold, and I told the customer asked if I could change all the belts and do a tune-up. Yeah, maybe he knew. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe he did know, but... Uh, I was like, yeah, not a problem at all. I'll take care of all that for you. You know, if, if, you, you know, if we go for asking price, I'll just do everything. And unfortunately, I had to do everything. So, I, regardless, moving on. Whatever, it's done now. Did you do yeah. anything this week other than no. help me the last day on the car? No. No, no project cars? Did you get you the, the cold all set? I got it home, yeah. Oh, yes, other project cars. Um, my 1980 Colt hasn't driven in probably since... November or October, um, just because it's been winter time, it's been sitting, it got covered in snow, and then it just got left there, and I didn't do anything with it. Um, I had that Honda Accord that we were just talking about was inside my trailer, which was attached to the back of my truck. So I was like, oh, I don't feel like I detached, uh, de- detaching the trailer to go out and run some errands. I'll just take the Colt out because the snow's gone. Mm-hmm. So I made it to the restaurant with my daughter. And I was going to bring dinner to my wife, who was working a double in the next town over, because she's a nurse. So I was like, "Ah, oh, no big deal. Go get dinner. Get dinner for me and the daughter. I'll get some, I'll get a, a dish for the wife. I'll bring it over to her. She'll be happy. She wasn't expecting it. It'd be a nice surprise. And I broke down on the side of the road on the way there. Of course. Of course. No good deeds, right? Tell the guy you do belts. Falls apart in my face. Yep. Go try to surprise my wife with dinner. Falls apart in my face. So I live in a small town. Um, thankfully the car broke down right in front of the next sub shop in town. So my daughter's 13 and it was like, do you want to walk home with me to get the truck? Or do you want to sit here? It's right in front of a restaurant. It's only five you'd be okay down here. You can keep the phone, you can play games on the phone or you can walk home with me. And she's like, I really want to sit right here. And I was like, all right, well, if anything happens, just go in the restaurant. Okay, that's fine. So I left the car on the side of the road in front of the restaurant. Um, I would never have done this if it wasn't like right downtown where I live in front of the restaurant. Everything was nice and well lit. Um, and I only, I was, I live a five minute walk away. So I ran home and I got the truck and trailer <laughs> and I drove down to the car. I was broken down, 
picked up my daughter and the dinner, drove all the way to the next town over, navigated my wife's works parking lot with this behemoth of a 20-foot trailer and a pickup truck, just to grab her dinner because I didn't want to get cold because I spent the money this time and I want to give her the dinner. She was excited to see it. I told her the story and she's laughing at me because it's what she does because yeah. she knows I'm a dummy. And then uh, drove the trailer and truck home. Decided I should probably go look at the car because I know it's a no overnight parking zone. I don't want it to get towed and be a whole other issue. I managed to get started. What was happening was the car was sputtering and stumbling. And once it warmed up, I'd, I'd get it to idle and I could rev it all the way from 800 to 4,000 and it seemed fine. The second I put it in gear, it would die. I don't know why I haven't investigated. Once it cooled off, I got back down, I started it, and I drove it a block away. It's like a park and ride downtown. Uh, that has overnight parking. I was like, all right, I'm not going to risk it. I'm just going to park it right here. Because I had driven the truck again now with the big trailer back downtown and parked it behind the car. Got in the car, drove it, put it in the parking ride, so I'll deal with it in the morning. Walked back to my truck and drove home. <laughs> so I went down this morning after my wife got home from her shift, and uh, she drove me downtown. I got in the car. She followed me home, made it home. I parked it. Put it in the little tank garage next to the house, and I said, "I'm done. I don't even want to touch it till it's warm out." So who knows? I'm not gonna touch it. I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know why it's doing that. It has all new ignition components <coughs> from plugs, wires, Weird. cap, rotor. Even though it's 1980, it still has ignition points. I even replaced the points, capped the points. Is there no fluid in the right. transmission? What would that have to do with anything? The torque converter didn't have enough fluid, and it just wasn't. But I was driving the car, and then it just stopped. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'll check it, but that's... Automatic transmissions work on magic anyways. They, they so. are. And that one is a terrible automatic transmission. But I'm, I'm sure it's not low on fluid. That, that's The one thing the car wasn't doing wrong was shifting wrong. It shifted fine. And I drove it all around town, and I didn't have any issues, and, and I, I couldn't tell you what the problem was yet. I haven't even looked. I'm just, I was frustrated with it. And it's, it's, it's not warm enough out yet to worry about it. Um, I put it away. It's out of sight, out of mind. And I'll worry about it later. And if somebody wants to buy it, please come buy it. I don't, I don't even care anymore. You can almost have it for free at this point. Just get it out of my life. I don't want to fix it now. All right. So, but it's there. I'll get to it. And I'll fall back in love with it once it's fixed, and, and life will go on. But yeah, that's it. No other, uh, no other project car updates other than that. I don't think. I don't think I've worked on anything else. Yeah, I haven't worked on anything. Exciting news! I am going this weekend with a friend to pick up a Mark One Escort. Nice. So that should be fun. The only thing I worked on was small scale stuff. And my Honda. So, I, yeah. So I started the RX-7 kit. First gen. SA. Yep. Being uh, the monogram one. We talked about that last time. So I had I had it all sanded. But in the in between podcasts here, I have primed it. Which is the first time I use zero paints primer. I is usually two, use two the, part? No, it's a single stage primer. Or... It's the lacquer. It's a, it's a lacquer? Yeah, it's synthetic. It's the same as like it's supposed uh, to be. There's supposed to be like a version of zero paints. Zero paints are supposed to be like a version of my stuff. It's behind you. Uh, That's it. And the the um, <clears throat> it's weird because I used on the Evo. I used Tamiya primer that I had, and then I put zero paints over it because they're they're supposed to work that way. But I decided to use the zero paints primer in the airbrush, and I did like a light coat. Found a mold line, a two, couple mold lines I missed, sanded them down, went to recode it, it started to to like pull from edges. 
Yeah, it looks like a, a fault line across the middle of the hood. <clears throat> yeah, it was weird because I thought I laid it on thin enough coats to not do that, but maybe I just did it too thick and it like pulled from edges. So I could resand the hood, but the body where it pulled, I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. It was in like seams where it pulled. Yeah, I saw like around the edge of the hood. And so I said, screw it, and I just put the paint color on it. And I think it looks pretty good. It's got a light coat of the original, the first color. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's like so, a burnt orange. Yeah, it's like a burnt orange, and then all which is up. actually cool because it's kind of like it's the same color as the '79 uh, RX-7 that my the real one that my father used to have. Yeah. So what I'm gonna do is just do some more uh, light coats of that, and it should darken up a little bit, but not by much. Yeah, it should look pretty good. And then yeah, nice clear coat over it. It should mm-hmm. be should be real nice. So that's it for that. Do you have anything else, right? Uh, I've worked on a couple of small, 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 small scale projects. Um, I have a couple of Ravel, uh, one monogram, one Ravel, which is depending on what time you're talking about, they're the same company. Yeah. Um, Porsche, that Porsche. Porsche 904 kit. Um, yes, P- Porsche 904 kit. I apologize. Oh yeah, Porsche. Sorry. No, you said it. I didn't say it. I oh. said Porsche. Oh. I said it like a plebe. Um, well, see, I had to learn because the company I worked for. Yeah, the, the Porsche 904 kit. Yeah. Um, I have two of them. Porsche. Um, yeah. And I took them out of the box because I noticed in the box they had different wheels. And I was like, oh, I want to build this one. I was like, put the wheels in there. I want a cooler looking. Um, and one of them is an original release of a 1965 kit. Um, it's designed to be either a shelf model or designed to be a 124th scale um, slot car. So mm-hmm. the body is a very simple body. It's a very simple chassis. Uh, but it looks really complete. It's a really nice-looking yep. kit. Uh, but the wheels and tires, they're from 1965, and they just don't look very good. Of course. Um, so I was like, oh, this other one has better-looking wheels and tires on it. Let me pull it out and see what those look like. It's a completely different kit from the same manufacturer. Of yeah, the same it is car. weird. I had no idea. And this whole time, I thought that it was just a repackaged <clears throat> version of the original kit. And it was going to be the same thing, but the original kit doesn't have engine detail, doesn't have like really good chassis detail. Yep. Um, and the other one that I had is it's got a full engine, full interior, full cage. It's a really nice kit, which explains why the wheels are different. Um, but I was shocked, so I'm still going to keep because I already started working on the the earlier the '65 kit. So I'm going to continue to work on that. Maybe try to find a different set of wheels somewhere for that. Mm-hmm. I have some Fujimi. Um, Nice open steel wheels for it that'll maybe try to run some of those. I don't know yet. We'll see. And you're thinning some of your kit herd. I am. I got a bunch of kits going on eBay. Again, not trying to promote things I'm selling on the podcast, but well, if you're interested in some, some like vintage old, kits, old weird vintage kits, I'm putting a bunch of stuff out there. Yeah, so. just ones that you'll never get to that somebody else should enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of ridiculous stuff in my basement, so it's time to get rid of it. So I'll put a link up somewhere. You can find it. I'm not going to discuss where nope. to find those. But, nope. yeah, thinning out, the, thinning out the herd. That way I can kind of, like, maybe concentrate on the ones that I want to concentrate on. Because kind of one of my things is I go down the basement and I'm overwhelmed looking through stacks of kits to find what I want to build next. Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to kind of reorganize and maybe even clear out enough space to actually make a work area in the basement versus just a storage area. When is that local model show? Is that March 19th? I want to talk to you about that. It is in March, and I think it's the 19th. It's pretty soon. I think you said, I think you showed me the 19th. I can actually ejaculate now. Which, it's not Mass Car Club. Mass Car Club no longer does it. It's run by a member of the Mass Car Club um, who's just doing it as his own, um, 
it's called the RTS show. Yeah. I don't remember, the RTS Expo Club. Um, it's not a full show with individual categories, prizes like it used to be. Okay. Um, it's more of a, like the NNL style. The so National they're doing multiple, di- like different. The categories will still be there. But they didn't have like military and like ships. They'll have that stuff to get in, more in the people. corner. Oh. But it's, it, it's, it's not like, so say you have a class for model cars and you have, um, uh, let's see, race cars, open wheel, race cars, closed wheel. Yeah. And you have like street machines and you have street rods. You'll still have all those classes, but there won't be a first, second, third in each class. Just a first? Not even that. It'll just be like a best paint and a best detail and a best theme. So no individual category awards. It's more of like just a gathering and a ah. – so it's a, it's a little simpler of a format. Okay. And they have a pretty good swap meet usually. And I'm, I'm more interested gets, in the swap meet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do see it is March 19th um, in Taunton, Massachusetts. Yep. It's the holiday. It's end. a Sunday. It is a Sunday. It's actually the same day as the next Cars and Coffee. But I'll have to miss that this time, unfortunately. Yeah. No, we'll go check that out. And uh, Yeah, I mean, we used to go all the time. So Hopefully, maybe I'll have the ARC-7 done. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah, so it's Sunday, March 19th, or something 2017. Something in Taunton at the Holiday Inn. Um, doors open at 9 a.m. So it does cost to get in. It's like 8 bucks. <laughs> but, I mean, they got to pay the bill for the room somehow, mm-hmm. so I don't mind that. No, it's worth it. Yeah. So yeah, there's special voting awards for what I said, and then there's best station wagon, uh, best Camaro because it's the 50th anniversary this year, uh, best vintage drag racing, best junior build, and then it's going to be club awards by a couple of different regional clubs that are going to be there. Uh, also, what's kind of cool this year they're going to have there um, is they're going to have you know how like. Uh, Boy Scouts do the downhill... Pinewood Derbies. Pinewood Derbies. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a 164th scale die-cast downhill drag racing. Um, so your Hot Wheels that you've filled with molten lead? Yes. <laughs> now, there's rules for that, too. Apparently, there's 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 a club in Rhode Island um, called the... Uh, Link- like minute, like, maximum weight? I don't know. I don't know the rules. I'll have to look it up. But it's called the, the Lincoln Johnny Lightning Club. Um, and they started as a group of, I guess, Johnny Lightning diecast collectors. Okay. But they have a monthly meeting where they have diecast drag races. Okay. Which is like super end of the nerdy scale. Um, and I've never gone. I don't know much about it. But I think it'll be interesting to see it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's adults, not children. So <laughs> maybe it's a combination of both. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I think it'll be kind of cool to see it. So it's just a little extra thing that'll be there. All right. Cool. So, yeah, March 19th, model car show. That's not a real car show. That's model cars. Yes. Scale cars. Scale cars that you have built yourself. Yes. So that should be fun. So anyway, um, let's get to what I want to talk about this week. Today's actual topic. Have you ever wondered why some countries drive on the left and some drive on the right? Why, yes, Andrew, I have. Do you have an explanation for me? Hopefully I do. All right. Because How did you come across this to- How did you come upon, upon this topic? Well, uh, I took a vacation with my fiance last week to the Bahamas. And not quite America, not quite not America. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had to Does take. They require a, a passport now. Yes. Okay. It is a foreign country. Okay, I, I don't know how it works. <laughs> I, Anytime you go to a country that's not the United States, you can almost swim there from Florida. All right, I don't know. You could, that. you could, but you still need a passport when you show up. <laughs> 
But the, I mean, they're very laid back. They're like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're yeah. All right. Passport. All right. What are you gonna do? Bomb the Bahamas? I mean, come on. You don't need a no. passport. You're fine. No. So anyway, we fly in, get to the airport, and you got to take a taxi to get to the resort. Oh, you went to Nassau, not the main. Yeah, to Nassau. Right? Yep. Which is actually the capital. It's the smallest island, but it's the capital. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of weird. It is kind of weird. But so first thing we do, we land. We're rolling up to the gate, and I look out, and there's a Mitsubishi van. With Japanese writing on the side. Like a Delica style van. Delica style van. van. Yeah. Awesome. With a right hand drive steering wheel. I was like, oh yeah, they're driving the other side here. Awesome. And then we get outside. But it had Japanese writing on it? Jap- yeah. So it's probably a fresh import. Probably. And it was used at the airport. That's really cool. Yeah. They probably just import whatever they want. Yeah, I'm super excited to go to other countries like that to see things like that. Like even when I went to Canada, I was like, <laughs> I want to see as many weird cars as I can. Yeah, every time I saw an American car, I was like, eh. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so then it that way, so we get out of the airport. You know, we get through customs and everything. So they're like, do you need a taxi? Like, yes. So, like, I mean, everybody's very, very nice because they want you they to want your money. pay them. Yeah, like good green American money. Yeah. Which is the same as, it's the same exchange as Bahamian dollars. So, Which is convenient. Yes. They've clearly done it yes. for convenience. <laughs> so we we get out there and there's all these, like, just random cars for taxis. But they're all, like, vans. There's, like, an Astro van. I was like, ugh. Yeah, terrible, like, terrible Astro. And like a you know a Ford like E van or whatever the hell it is, Econoline. Econoline. And then the um, you know this guy, she sends us to this taxi driver, and we're like walking down the line, and we're like going past an Astro van. I was like, please don't get in that. And then we go past like a Ford van. I'm like, please don't get in that. And then like right behind it was like an L300 Mitsubishi van. So another Delica style. I was van. like, yes, yeah, that's awesome. his van. Yep, sweet. <laughs> so excited was, to ride this stupid it was, it was old meant van. To be. It was meant to be. So it's a, it was like a diesel five-speed rear-wheel drive. It was about a 4D, 56 diesel probably. Left-hand drive. Not right-hand drive. Not right-hand drive. So the one at the airport was right-hand drive, and your taxi was left-hand drive. Yeah. I, now, what side of the road did they drive on? Left. So they drive on the opposite side as us. Yes. Okay. So it was really weird. He's like, so, you know, we drive on the other side. We're like, yeah, we we figured that out real quick. Yeah. Good thing we're not driving. Cause, yeah. Because, like, yeah, you totally drive the wrong way. Like, Especially if, if, if you got in a rental car. And it and wasn't left hand right hand like, drive left hand drive rental car. Yeah, and he pulled out in the street and there was no traffic. I would definitely get the wrong side of the road. Yeah, so but and they're all rotaries there, so we're going the wrong way around. Well, not the wrong way. We're going the, the opposite way, way yeah. around a rotary. It's really bizarre. It is it's hard. <laughs> it's so weird. I dealt with that in Canada when I was in. Well, no, sorry, I wasn't when I was in Canada coming home. They drive on the correct side of the road or the same side of the road as us, but I was driving the right hand drive vehicle. And that was bizarre enough. Yeah. So I'm sure for that guy in the Bahamas. Maybe just get used to it. Nah, maybe. But but it's weird because they have right-hand drive vehicles too. So you're just sitting there and there's like a bunch of right-hand drive CRVs. Right. Like, like the first gens. Yep. You like look over. They have that cool mirror on the fender. Yeah. And the mirror, and the, on, the the mirror on the back. Yep. And you just look over and the drive, the driver's like way opposite He's of you. He's 100 miles away from you. It's so strange. That is weird. I I'm, I wonder what the, the Bohemian... Uh, Import laws are, or if there are any at all. Probably not. Or it's just like all those cars were stolen from different countries and wind up there somehow, like in a lot of the South American countries. Nah, they just, they just, you know what they are, is they buy all the cheap auction cars here. Yep. And that's where they go. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Nobody wants them. Yeah, the Econoline with 400,000 miles on it. Probably. Wants. Yeah, it's on an island and it has 400,000 miles on it. Yeah. It's an island that's 21 miles it's long. A taxi, it's only going to get another 10,000 miles on it anyway. Yeah. But anyway, that made me wonder. I was like, where. Did this driving on one side or the other come from? And what country had the first car? Why did they do it this way? 
Yeah, well, you might think it comes from the invention of the car, but it's older than that. Okay. So the accepted theory I ran across in researching this comes down to right-handedness. So we're wrong. Yes. We're right. They're wrong. Sort of. Wait. I'm a lefty. Yeah. In fact, in fact, this podcast is split 50-50. Right. So Brad is lefty and I'm a righty. And, you know, scientists still don't know why some people favor right over left. Like, that's still a thing. They don't really know. The, com- or, the common accepted theory among lefties is that some of us are just far more superior than others. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, maybe, I don't know, whatever. It's just kind of weird, right? That like, m- But the majority of the population is right-handed, not lefty. So Correct. But And then, so basically the theory is because of this, you know, with most of the population already being always being right-handed, as people began to build roads between villages, towns, and cities, and then humans started to use horses to travel between them, it was common practice. You'd mount a horse. I didn't really think of this until I, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. If you're right-handed, it's way easier to mount a horse from the left side of the horse because you throw your right leg over it. I don't know if that it's easier or not. Because you're a lefty. lefty. You'd want to do it the other way. I don't know that I would, because I think about like a bicycle or a motorcycle. I don't do that because the they're designed for right-handed people because the kickstands are always on the left. They lean so to the I've left. Just been forced to do it yes. wrong my whole life. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't, I don't accept this. Nope. Because they make left-hand right left and right-handed guitars. Yeah, but that's because but it's easier to you don't you're not I, getting on them. No, but like I've I, I've held a left-handed guitar and it feels awkward to me. You could, isn't there, didn't, doesn't, uh, didn't one of the, was it like McCartney or something? Didn't he play one upside down or something? I don't know. But, like, my wife has a guitar, and I yeah. can pick it up, and she's a righty, and I can pick it up, and, like, it feels correct to have I feel like it would be fret in my left hand. I feel like it would be easier for me right to play hand. a left-handed no, guitar. Maybe now I'm confused. Because. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know anything about playing a guitar, but I, the times I've tried, my left hand is not very good. I don't have a good dexterity with it. So working right. the frets a reg- a is really guitar, hard. You do the fret with your left hand. Yeah. Which to me makes sense because I'm a lefty. Yeah. Cause, but, I think it would be awkward trying to do it the other way. Exactly. So I feel like I would play a left-handed guitar because I can just move my left hand and then I can work the frets with my right hand, which I have better dexterity with. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we're auto off topic because now we're talking about guitars. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so you... So, you know, supposedly it was easier to get on a horse from the left. Okay. So you would get on the horse from the left and then ride down the left side of the road. And they the even right side of the road. The left side of the road. Because a lot of times you'd have, uh, you know, for like women wearing dresses or something, you'd have steps on the left side of the road to get on a horse or just to help people get on a horse. They'd be on the left side of the road. Okay. So that that's, I don't know. That's where it came from. Supposedly, yeah. So why do we here in the United States and Canada drive on the right-hand side of the road from the left-hand side of the car? Well, the other the other thing with riding on the left, and this explains maybe why England does it, supposedly uh, it presents your right arm, if you're dominant with your right arm, to oncoming travelers. So you can reach for your weapon that is holstered on your left, which is usually a sword. You, you, if you're right, you holster okay. it on your left. So I'm also not only as a lefty now am I awkward in general social gatherings. I'm also going to die first in a duel. Possibly. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. 
Although, if you're pitching to a right-handed batter... I have, yes, I have an advantage as a pitcher if I could pitch a baseball. Yes. I'm just screwed in general, I guess, huh? So, that is... Uh, that's sort of where it started. Okay. And then the... Um, so, the American laws were decided by a lefty, apparently. Yeah. Because he was like, F this England crap, we just want to be different. I mean, but but generally though, back then traffic was so light that it was just like and it was horses. Yeah, it, it just came down to local tradition. I mean, some some people may have ridden on the right, some people may have ridden on the left. Now, the other theory is that in the late 1700s and early 1800s, as larger wagons were created to carry more goods, okay, between towns and markets and ports and whatever. So the 18 wheelers are wagons. Exactly. All right. Multiple trains of horses, like instead of just two horses, like four, six, yep. you know, like big wagons. Yeah, like the Budweiser cars. Yeah, exactly. So the the person driving the wagon, because they they would get on the left side of the rear left horse. Okay. Because they could hold the reins with the right hand and work the brake with the left, because if they were right-handed, most people are righties. So that yeah, bra- this talks about England still, but not. The no, United but States. as you're. It actually happened in the United States. As you are driving this gigantic wagon and you can't see the other side of it, the right side of it very well, suddenly suddenly you want to pass with everything on your left. So you start to drive right. Okay. So you put the right side towards the ditch and the the driver towards the center of the road. So that's how in America we started doing left-hand drive from the big wagons that they probably didn't have yep. in England and smaller countries because they yeah. didn't have it as far of a France, distance. Yeah. Or as far as, well, France has got a lot more distance yep. to cover than England does as well. Yep. And actually France still to this day drives on yep. the left-hand side. So it comes down to an effect that is still prevalent today. Like in America, we have big cars, big trucks, big things. Yep. And back when it was horse and buggies in America, we had big horses, big buggies, and big trains of things. And then, of course, the other theory is that after the American Revolution, we wanted nothing to do with England so we definitely do, this? We would, do everything the opposite. Exactly. We do everything exactly the opposite. And I even learned that in 1792, Pennsylvania was the first to pass a keep right law on their turnpike. And then New York followed suit in, in, 18, what, in 1804, what 1792. They call it a turnpike? Yes. That's interesting. Because it, there was pikes that you turned after, after your toll was paid. You had to pay tolls in your horse and buggy? Yes. I'm learning a lot today. Yes. Well, thank you, Andrew. <clears throat> And I'm still not clear exactly why we're on the right-hand drive still today. Well, Because uh, you would think once manufacturers started making cars, they would have been like, hey, we're going to sell these things all over the whole world. Let's standardize everything. Well, exactly. And only about 35% of the world's population drive on the left. So we're in the minority. We're in the majority. Majority. We we drive on, on the, the right. right. See, it, it, it gets confusing because we drive on the left-hand side of the car, but on the right side of the road. So when you say, we drive on the left, I mean the right, I'm like, no, we drive on the left. But no, we drive on the right-hand side of the road. I should say right traffic, left traffic. Okay, so we are right traffic. We are right traffic. 35% of the population drives on left traffic. Okay. Now, is that due to the fact that we are a huge country and we have more people here? No. Or is it just... It was country, just country it was percentage, just, not people percentage. It was just tradition. That's how it started. No, I mean, as far as the percentage goes, is that a people percentage or a country percentage? That's countries. Oh, okay. po- all population, I guess. It, okay, that, so it that might have to the fact that our population is huge versus the driving population in 
Guam. Yeah. No, they drive on the right hand side. Oh, it's bad. I'm sorry, on the left. They, the right hand side. They of the drive road, on the right hand side of the road. Yeah. Like us. Yep. Guam is like us, which is probably our fault because of the military base. <laughs> well, they're a province. Yeah. So, you know, it's no coincidence that almost all of these countries that drive on the right were former former British colonies. Okay. So that sort of, so it comes down to imperialism and tradition and horses and the Bahamas being one of them. Uh, it was it was told to me by our taxi driver on the way back to the airport that it was the only thing that they really kept after their independence in 1970 was driving on the other side of the road. Yes, which because it would have been an absolute nightmare if they're just like, all right, the day we change sides of the roads is Tuesday. It would have been massive traffic accidents. No, everywhere. some countries have done that. Have they really? Yes, uh, Finland, uh, I believe, did it. That's so strange. Uh, Couple of Scandinavian countries did it as late as the '60s. I was going to say, what, what time of what era was it? But and the, I mean, they 60s. told everybody for you know months and weeks ahead of time, we're going to do it on this day. Hope so. <laughs> at this time, yep. You wake up Tuesday morning and you crash into your neighbor because you didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, like and they, you know, speed limits were kept really low after it was changed. I wish it makes sense again yep. to keep fatalities down. I wish I had. Down. I didn't keep track of what those countries were. I should have. I didn't. I didn't think I was going to get oh, there with that. I, I can't imagine just waking up one day and like being like, "All right, guys, like President Trump issued a new order today. It's everybody drives on the left hand side of the road." <laughs> and I'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. But and basically, people like our friend Chris would be like, "Sweet, I got my Delica van. I'm yeah. good to go." But basically, Britain stuck with driving on the left, and eventually it became so ingrained and far too expensive for them to change over. So they just—that's why they're like it. They're just right. like that now. This whole discussion we're having about left and right. But like Road. continental Europe drives on the right, North, South America, most of Asia, Africa, and a lot of it came down to the driving habits of imperialism. So French colonies drove right, English colonies drove left. That's so weird. Now, this this whole topic is also uh, motorcycles. Some motorcycles, particularly British motorcycles, are not standardized from like pre-1965-ish. Yeah. And they'll be... Um, opposite of what anybody who rides a motorcycle today would know. So your uh, clutch and brake will be on the right, and your brake and your so your, your clutch and shifter will be on the right, and your brakes will be on the left. If there's one vehicle that like standardized controls wouldn't matter anywhere, it's a motorcycle. But they do matter. Yes, because but if you go from a motorcycle that the clutch is on the left to a motorcycle that clutches on the right, oh, the, I first, guess I didn't... the first time you get an intersection, you're going to crash. Yeah, I didn't say that right. So like. If you standardized motorcycle controls, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter where it was being Correct. driven. So now, why did they get standardized? Just because people were going to crash them? Because, like I said, like pre like sixty, there was uh, DOT laws in the United States, and if they wanted to import these bikes, they had to switch them over. So England was like, "All right, we spent enough money making our cars the opposite way for you bastards. We're not going to change our motorcycles. We're going to keep them all the same." No, they changed them. Right, but we're going to make ours yeah. the same. We're not going to like keep our own traditions because. Yeah. We spend enough money changing cars. So this really gets complicated with the invention of an automobile. And like, so early, like brass era cars, like early, early cars. Yeah, there was no standardization at all. They, and they were based on basically horse carriages yeah, with center, engines. Yeah, center tillers and that stuff. center tiller. So yeah. it didn't matter what side you drove on. Right, it was a big stick like a boat. Exactly. The front the rear. You, could sit on, you, could, you could sit on either side of the car or and the just steer it. Or in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like... McLaren F1 is a pretty sweet car, but... That's an understatement of the year. You know, its center steering position isn't really practical for, like, everyday use. Neither is, an, neither is anything about a McLaren F1, Andrew. <laughs> no. But 
you know, eventually automakers had to pick a side. Yep. And at first it made sense to have the driver enter from the curb, right? Because why not? If you're like the early stages of inventing an automobile and you're going to go get into your car, you're going to step off the curb and just get into it. Yep. I was like, All right. that thing about families and passengers. Exactly. I'd much so, my daughter got the curbside. Well, yeah, especially in the front of a car. Yep. And then it was like, you know, if you've got your best girl with you and she's wearing that giant dress. That would be my wife. You can't, uh, she can't exactly get in from the curb and get around those giant steering wheels that those cars had. That's true. That's true. So they decided to uh, move them. I mean, you know, especially like those cars had like the ground clearance of like your truck. Yeah, you had to walk up into them. Yeah. So they. And, ev- and every girl wore a skirt or a dress then, too. So they tried to make it as classy yeah. as possible for exactly. the lady to get the car. So I've read Ooh, a couple angles. places. Yeah. <laughs> That, you know, Packard was one of the first to, like, start putting them on the left. But what really made it take off, apparently, was Model T's, our left-hand drive. And because they were the every car. And they were everywhere. Yeah. So fun, that... Slight fun fact. As a child, completely not normal for most children who liked Ferraris and, and Lamborghinis. Yeah. My favorite cars were all Packards. I don't know why. Weird. I had a Hot Wheels Packard, and that car kind of stuck with me. And as old cars go, I could recognize the center cap of the wheels because it had that like stop sign shaped red mm. red octagon in the middle of them, um, and that became my favorite car as a child. So anyway, hmm. so Packard was the first. Ford standardized it. Basically, Ford standardized a lot of things. So he didn't standardize controls though. That wasn't until 1955, wasn't it? Like nope. pretty late. Nope. The Model T had. Do you know how you know the pedals are set up on a Model T? Isn't the brake on the right and the gas in the middle? Yes. Yeah. It's really weird. And Why if somebody didn't tell you that and you went to drive one. Much like driving the opposite side motorcycle. Yeah. You're going to crash at the first stop sign. Because the they don't have a clutch. It's like a it's like a high low or something. It's way on the left. Okay. But it's a freewheel too. So when you stop, you have to push the freewheel in, right? Oh, I don't remember now. It was My uncles had one and like a few years ago they like showed me how to do it. And it's been it's so a lot long, of work. Remember. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to advance the ignition while driving. Yeah. There's no turn signals on the stock. It's the the. The stock on the steering column, there's no turn signals there. It is to, like, advance spark yep. and control fuel. It's, like, Change really... Magneto. Yeah, it's very crazy. Um, turn signals weren't standard <clears throat> for a long time. No. But the it was the uh, Cadillac Type 53... I, oh, oh, I thought it was. Not 1953. The Cadillac Type 53. Yeah, 1916. Standardized. Standard, well, standardized the placement of pedals. Okay. And then whether or not it had turn signals or not, I'm not sure if it had the turn signals. Probably stuff. not at that point. No. A lot of cars still had semaphores and, and stuff. And it probably then, didn't you know. have uh, powered wipers. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Maybe it did. So it wouldn't. But not a lot of cars had wiper stocks for a long time either. It had a button on the dash. Yeah. So as far as like standard controls. Which is it, not even like, I'm thinking like my 1968 Camaro doesn't have a wiper stock. It's got a button on the dash. Yeah. So a switch it, on the dash. It really was about standardizing the pedals. Which is the most important part. Because, yeah, whatever side of the car you're on, you can move the steering wheel over. The pedals are always in the same position. Correct. Gas is always on the far right. right. Yep. Brake is in the middle. So regardless if it's left or right-hand drive, the pedals yep. always stay the same. It's always the same. So that's pretty important. Just where your shifter is is different. The other thing that I learned that was pretty interesting is that the turn signal location, like I said, is was not standardized. Uh, when they started putting turn signals in cars that were automatic and whatever mm-hmm. on on the steering column the majority of well all american cars have it on the left uh, side left side yep by the door 
by the door. If you're in England, it is still on the left side of the steering wheel. Yep. But if you drove a Japanese car that's right-hand drive. Correct. It's on the right. It's which, towards the door. Which I remember it being hard for me to get used to driving a Japanese right-hand drive car. Every time I go to turn. Because it's like a mirror image, but I it's I turn the not. wipers on. Yeah. So, and apparently that's very characteristic of JDM and Australian cars. Which makes sense because they're so close to one another. Yes. They would use similar things. But apparently, if you bought a car that was built in Japan for the English market, they would switch them. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. But it was kind of, But I guess... So the parts existed, they just didn't do it. Yeah, I guess a lot weird. of modern uh, Japanese imports, though, have gone away from it. They've, they've, they've standardized it, and then they put it on the left. Okay. I, 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 that's a first for me. I didn't so, know any of that either. But it's kind of it's kind of weird like that, right? It is very strange. But... I mean, my big thing was with 65% of the world being left-hand drive, it would make sense for a country just to standardize. So why car makers, especially Japanese car builders, would go through the trouble of engineering both left-handed and right-hand drive cars is, like, really weird to me. That's a lot of money that you don't think would... I mean, I understand why they make both. It's just why not standardize the world as far as driving? Because Japan was not an English colony. Nope. And in fact... During it was basically rebuilt by the United States after World War II, and before World War II, they were more in bed with Germany than anybody else. <laughs> so it's very strange that they it even a, drive a, in the opposite right hand, way. Dr- uh, right, right hand of the road country. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like early on, they could have easily after World War II just switched because they didn't even make many cars yet by then. No, they had very, 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 and they were very still like cars. developing after being destroyed. So. Just really weird. Maybe they just chose based on countries around them. Russia drives on the left. Australia. I'm sorry. Russia drives on the right. Yeah, they drive like us. It's hmm. everywhere. It's basically there's only like a few countries in Asia that don't. Are there any? Is there anywhere in the world? Did you? I don't know if you looked this up or not. Where like if you cross into the border, like is there, is there a border you can cross? We got to change sides. Other than like England and France, which isn't like there's a tunnel that does it for you. Supposedly. Uh, it was between in one article I read. It was between China and Pakistan somewhere. Okay, does China drive on the right or the left? China drives on the right. So like us, yep. not like Japan. Nope. Hmm. And but I believe Hong Kong drove because it was an English colony on the, the left side of the road. Yes. So strange. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. Now another another place that I as a lefty get screwed. Well, you can well you can cross from obviously you can cross from England. Well, as I said, but the, to the, the tunnel does it for you when you drive through the tunnel. Like you come out the other side of the tunnel, and it's not like a stop. You like change lanes. It's like it like flows. You don't notice it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you still have to stop and put the the um, the guards on your headlights because your headlights are oh, aimed opposite. the other direction. Yeah, no, I didn't know about that. So there's little stickers you put on your headlights just to kind of turn them. And actually, if you well, you can't because the long way around is not on Netflix anymore. But if you looked closely at one of their Mitsubishi sport vehicles that they had. They had little stickers on the headlights because they were uh, right in drive. drive. Interesting. The other place that as a lefty I get screwed is uh, the shifter of the car. Yeah. So I want to know, is it easier for you to drive with a standard in a right-hand drive car? I don't know. Lefty? I'll let you know. Oh, you haven't driven one? I've never driven a right-hand drive standard car. Oh, that's right. Chris. I thought Chris's Chris's Delta was... van was an automatic, yeah. Oh. And I drove that um, Mitsubishi uh, Dangan. 
Yeah. But I never really got it like first, second gear in the in the parking lot. I drove it, unfortunately. I didn't get Weird. a good day with it. Um, a funny thing about that, though, is the way I learned the shift pattern was from the passenger seat of my father's ramp truck in the 80s. Yeah. So I shifted with my left hand, and I remember being like a young teen, like 13, 14 years old, and like starting to panic that I was getting my license, and I was never going to be able to drive a standard because I'm a lefty, and I had to shift with my right hand. Um, but then once I... You know, obviously, once I learned to do it and did it, it's never been an issue. Um, I can't imagine it would be difficult. I don't know. I've, I've adapted pretty well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of it because... You're a righty? I'm righty. You're, you're common commoner? That's right. An independent thinker like a lefty? Yeah. Uh, yet I've, I've never driven a right-hand drive... <clears throat> manual transmission car. I've driven a couple right-hand drive cars, and unfortunately, they've all been automatics. So I'd, I'd like to try that, obviously, and I hope someday when I have my Evo 1 or 2 or Lancer box type, I will not be buying an automatic of any of those vehicles. Because the the shift pattern is the same. 100%. doesn't change at all. No. The pedals are standardized. The shift pattern is standardized. Unless you're driving a dog leg car. That changes a little bit. It's not necessarily that the shift pattern is standardized. It's just that it'd be silly to build a reverse gearbox like it's a lot of work yeah oh when you think about it, it doesn't sound like much more work than building a whole right hand drive car yeah putting a right hand drive steering rack right hand drive dashboard like everything everything changes and you think about like we're talking about to, oh the uh, wiper transmission everything's backwards well i was talking to or swapped yeah um our friend al who i'm going to pick up the mark ii escort with yeah has, so the mark one escort has a mark ii escort which yeah. is left hand drive uh, oh this car's not no they're both left hand drive okay um, but the Mark II Escort is left-hand drive, um, and the car wasn't designed originally to be left-hand drive. It was sold in Holland, which yeah. is a, they drive on the right in Holland, yeah. um, well, the right side of the road and the left-hand side of the car. Yeah, so stuff probably interferes with, like, the exhaust. So when the car has, like, you know, the carburetors and everything, the brake booster was inside the car because it was in the was on le- made left-hand drive. There was no room for the brake booster. So it went inside the car under the dashboard on the passenger side. Weird. Doesn't make any sense, but that's just the way it works. Well, I think, I mean, even now, because they're going away from it so much with world cars, but maybe because the building technology now is different where a lot of stuff is modular. Well, yeah, that's, that's like the, um, was it the Saturn or the Toyota that did it first? Well, they had like that center stack that could just be turned left or right, depending on which way, they, which way the car was built. I'm not sure, but when you look at the your Raider and my Montero, it's clear that you could basically switch the dash. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty standard right across. It's yeah. just a flat panel with a couple different holes to be drilled depending yeah. on the way you went. But you're right. That's definitely set up for both ways. Yeah. But I, I know like the, the Yaris and like a Saturn R or whatever, they had that center stack. Yeah. And it, it would be very easy to use that same dashboard in both cars and just put a different stack in the center facing either the left or the right, depending on where you put the steering wheel. Well, like we were talking about the your Gallant. That somebody had swapped. Right, and it was a crap ton of work for, yeah. for whatever benefit or lack thereof that there was. Yeah. And that was so much stuff was changed that it couldn't even have heat or air conditioning. <laughs> no, and then, like, just, I don't know, it's just very weird. Like, why didn't, you know, because they standardized so many things. Like, they came up with, you know, standard sizing, like SAE, metric, like, DOT stuff. Do you like, know there's a third, and this is like another off topic. There's a third wrench size and screwdriver size. Well, it's Japanese standard. There's a Japanese standard. Yeah, I need to get some Japanese standard 
uh, screwdrivers. Especially Phillips heads. Yeah, because it explains why I rounded off so many screwdrivers. Every single Mitsubishi part that has a Phillips head on it, I've had a hard time removing. And that's the reason that I have like Phillips head like drivers. Yeah. But if there's a whole other standard size screwdriver that I was unaware of until very recently, yeah. that makes me angry. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. No, I had no idea. I mean, I've been I doing only Japanese. only found out recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been doing Japanese cars my entire driving career almost. Yeah. And I've been frustrated. We, I mean, we've made the joke many times that the interior bolts of Mitsubishi feel like they're made out of like, I don't know, like cheese. Because you turn them with any screwdriver and you just strip the bolt out. Yeah. So apparently there's a whole other standard size that we didn't know about. Yeah. So I have to buy some of those too. Should probably invest in some of those soon actually. Yeah. But it's just weird to me that they didn't, like, a long time ago, somebody wasn't just like, we're going to make all cars drive on one side or the other. But when you Because it really it, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In the end. Because what... The most important part about uh, cars that are set up to drive on the right or cars that are set up to drive on the left is that you put the two drivers at the center of the road when they're opposite each other. Right, so they can get a better angle of our better judgment of how close the two cars are. So if they're oncoming, they don't hit each other, hopefully. Which driving a right-hand drive car in a a left-hand drive world is a little unnerving at first for that reason. Because you're very nervous about the left front corner of your car all the time. You're very aware of it. You so find you yourself favoring the right side of the road a lot. So, yeah, more. so you end up driving close to like parked cars. Yeah, a lot closer. Which you really shouldn't. You should drive close to the line. It's just hard to, to judge. Yeah. It's hard to judge the line from the other side. I found myself setting the mirror up on the passenger side so that I could see the ground in the mirror so that I could see where the line was in relation to the car as mm-hmm. I was driving down the road. And yeah. that's what, especially in the highway where it's just like you know, long highway trip, and there's not a lot of things to judge by. That's how I kind of, I had the mirrors set up so I could see the side of the car and the line so I knew where I was on the road. You won't drive into the ditch. No, no, you'd be very good at avoiding the ditch. And the other problem is parallel parking. It's really easy to get into the spot. It's really hard to pull out because you can't see shit. Well, it's just like... uh, Or making a left-hand turn across traffic. Well, have you ever parallel parked on the left-hand side of a one-way street? Oh, Absolutely. I can. It's not a problem at all because you can see getting out. There's only, I don't know. There's only traffic going one way, so I don't worry about it as much. Yeah. And it's usually a smaller, less busy street. Yeah. But like parking a right-hand drive car in a left-hand drive world, and trying to pull out in a major like thoroughfare from the side of the road is a little unnerving if the mirrors are set up right. It's like for some reason it's easier to, whatever reason it's easier to slide the car. When you're taking a a left-hand turn, for some reason, I find. You mean like a, like a drift style slide? Yeah. Like, See, I, 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 I disagree. I have an easier time taking a right-hand drive, turn, right-hand turn sideways. Hmm. Uh, it's just me, or maybe being a lefty or whatever. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe it's not even easier. Maybe it's the same either way. I just always like to be sideways. Yeah, it's the only reason I like it rains. Hey, yeah. sideways day. Yeah. Um, couple small things. If we're done with this topic, I think we've pretty much worn it through. Yeah. So I mean, that's basically. Why right-hand and left-hand drive, uh, or why right-hand traffic and left-hand traffic exist, because of imperialism. Yep. Goddamn English. stubbornness to change. More that than anything else, it seems like. But it's been around a lot longer than cars. Which, I thought it, I thought it started with cars, but nope, it went back further. Interesting to learn. Slight change of pace tonight. Yeah. Um, we don't usually do new car news. Um. Because we don't really care about new cars. What new car do you use? Do you have? Um, Alpine. 
Oh yeah, I saw that. Is that was that a render or is that an actual That's car? An actual car that is coming back out again. Uh, like the Renault Alpine A310. What is it based on? I don't know. I don't know anything about it. And I I, I shouldn't say new car news. I just saw it and I got super excited because it's one of my favorite cars of all time. Hmm. And there's a modern version of it now, apparently, that's in some kind of pre-production stage. I don't know who's building it. I don't know what it's powered by. I don't know where it's powered by, front or rear. But it looks amazing. Hopefully it's rear, rear. And right now, it's all that matters. It looks amazing. So um, I really want one. I don't even care what I it is. briefly looked at it. It, it did look be, pretty cool. It could be an electric 12-horsepower golf cart. <laughs> it just looks so good that I want one. All right. So... Um, Let's do this towards the end because I'm getting tired. Yes, dead air, not thinking. Social yes. media time. What do you got? Uh, you can follow us on Auto Off Topic at uh, Auto Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Gmail, Auto Off Topic on I'm drifting, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Just, okay, yep. Auto Off Topic on Gmail, yeah. Auto Off Topic at gmail.com. Yes. Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Yes, thank you. Andrew's Raced in Anger on Instagram. Thank you. And Facebook. Um, I am. Uh, at Vintage Imports NE on Instagram, Vintage Imports of New England on Facebook, and obviously my personal one that will wake Andrew back up as he laughs at the name of it again on Instagram is TSISS350. Um, look us up wherever you want to or don't. Just listen to us. That would be excellent. Uh, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Uh, any extra little push we get from anywhere helps us a yep. lot. Uh, share us with any of your car-liking friends um, or not car-liking friends, people that just like to listen to people randomly talk about history that doesn't matter to anybody but them. All right. Good finish, Brad. Hey. One more line. It's all yours. Keep your cars analog.